Hey family, I'm Coach Cass. Welcome to The Hub. Hey family, I'm so excited. I have one of my clubhouse friends here today, Jamal Valera, all the way from San Diego, California. Now, y'all, he's a neuroscience performance coach. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with you in front of your track. Oh my goodness. All right. So Jamal, I had to have you because I, I realized that we don't spend enough time thinking about our brains, okay? I, I, your neuroscience, like taking the time to understand how your subconscious affects your day-to-day beat, like all day, every day, right? And and what mindset you need to have in order to really have the life that you want to live. So I'm excited for all the things that we need to get into. And y'all better get his social media, follow him, uh, patronize his business, all that good stuff, okay? But we're going to get into it. But I'm nosy first. We got to sip the tea, honey. So tell me a little bit about your love story. So I met my wife 11 years ago, uh, and um, we met online, on, uh, ironically enough. You know, just perusing through, I was like, oh, she's cute, she's cute, she's cute. And then, and then I realized, oh, uh, we have some things in common. Um, and so it started off with this simple pose. You know, I was, you know, Mr. Motivation, Inspirational. And she would be the person who'd be like, oh, I like that, oh, I like that. And I was like, the best way to get to a man is stroke his ego a little bit, right? Let him right. know that what he's putting out, you're picking up. Yeah, um, and so um, over a period of time, we realized, I realized that we had some more things in common. I actually asked her out on a date, and we almost never dated um, because I'm really big on time. So she we had to cancel the first date, and then the second one, she was really really late, and she didn't message me or text me or anything like that. And that day, um, I was fully dressed, and she finally was like an hour and a half late, and then she finally says, "Oh, I'm on my way," and I said, "Don't worry, we're going to cancel it. We're not going to do it today." And so nobody in her life has ever done that to her. And she was like, you have no idea. I, and she, you know, she was going and I said, absolutely not. Um, you better so see that, that boundary. Look, look <laughs> I was literally in my house fully dressed. And I was like, she's like, I'm on my way. I said, don't even waste your time. And I opened the door. Um, and she, and, and I, for the third day, I guess it was 15 minutes early. Oh. My what wife. Wait, wait, wait. Now, Jamal, how did she get to the first date, the third date, when you said, "Ma'am, I'ma just need you to sit down." Like, what? Look, I have, I had, I had a three-strike rule, and so she missed oh. it with the first one when she canceled. I said, "Okay, you know, things happen, life happens." The second one, I was like, "I'm really big on my time. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna waste yours, and you're not gonna you disvalue mine." So even though she didn't, all she did is, "Hey, I'm running behind. Send me a text." She didn't send a text. Now, um, so since I was, I said you, you had no problem wasting an hour and a half of my time without letting me know, this is this is this is not going to be how we start. And so I said this, you know, I said we'll reschedule for another day. And we rescheduled. She was like 15 minutes early for the next day, wow. and I was like, it wasn't about ego; it was just about respecting time. Yeah. Like if I'm going to invest my time to make sure we go out and have a good time. And long story short, so we kept on, we kept on, we realized we hit it off over the, after our first date. And I was like, you know what, we can continue. Um, and then um, I'm military as well. So I've been in the military for 17 years. Um, uh-huh. I got stationed in Jackson, uh, in Japan. We met in Jacksonville. I got stationed in Japan for two years. 
we kept on, you know, connecting and you were like, you know what, when I came back, I said, mm, this might, this might be my wife. Cause if you can handle, you know, in the military, you know, six months of deployment and I'm gone for two years mm-hmm. and you still have that chemistry and connection. I said, this might be the quality type of person that I want to invest my life with. So um, I got, in, we got engaged in, at, uh, the, at, in Las Vegas at the Eiffel Tower. Um, and we've been married for five years now. Oh my goodness. I'm like the three strike rule. I'm loving all this. So y'all heard it, right? This man found his wife online. Hmm. All right. Let's get into the meat and potatoes. <laughs> so tell me, um, I know self-image um, is really big for women, right? Mm-hmm. And I know for me, even though, you know, I get many compliments when I step out of my house, there's still areas that I'm like, eh about right and we all have those things that we kind of beat ourselves up about whether it's the the poop or or the chin hair or you know flabby arms whatever it might be you know we we feel a little bit less than especially when we see couples walking through the streets and we're like man like what is wrong with me right there's there's often that question of well, mm-hmm. is something broken? Is something wrong with me? And and that's not a good place to live in. So can you talk to me, um, Jamal, about, about self, self-image? So self-image is, is a concept, especially in our polarized social media society, where mm-hmm. we only give commercial breaks of the best parts of our lives. You'll see a picture of a couple together, but you don't know they just had an argument 30 minutes earlier about you know, not picking up the clothes or being late or, you know, you, you know, spending too much money out of the account, whatever the case may be. Ooh. But when it comes, when it comes to self-image, there is what we, there's a quote that says, our words say who we, who we want to be, but our actions reveal who we are. Mm. And so there is this constant. Wait, 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 wait. Say that, <laughs> say that one more time, please, Jamal. <laughs> Our words define who we want to be, but our actions reveal who we are in the present. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think there is a constant challenge because you have who you, you are identity of who you want to become. And then you have who the world and society, who family and friends and your coworkers, all these people have placed these expectations on you of who you need to be to be worthy of their time, their energy, their love, their validation and their appreciation. And so, there's a constant challenge, not only just with yourself, but also with everybody who comes around you, who interacts with you. And so the brain is designed to do two things. The brain is not designed to make you happy. It's designed to make you safe. It's not designed to be, <laughs> you're unmuted. It's not designed to make you happy. And so if you're, if you're hoping that your brain is going to be able to find a way, where's my fulfillment? Where's my happiness? Where's my purpose? The brain's not looking for that. The brain is, break, is broken into two different things, which is your conscious mind as well as your subconscious mind. Now, your subconscious mind, most people think, if you ask this percentage, you're like, what percentage of who you are do you think is your subconscious mind? And I get numbers like 10, 15, 20, 50, even 75. Um, I'd like to tell you that your subconscious mind is built up of 95% of who you are. 95%? 95%. And I'm going to tell you what that, that, that culminates of. And the other 5% is your conscious mind. That's based on your five senses, your five senses. 95%. Yes. Subconscious, underneath the iceberg picture, the little tip and then that yes. huge iceberg thing, 95% is underneath. Mm-hmm. And, and, and a, good, a good example is when you show up with your I'm okay face, 
Mm. <laughs> but you have everything else going on, you know, bills, kids, responsibilities, spouse, fitness, all these different things, health. You just show up and say, I'm okay. That's, you show up with the 5%, I'm okay. But the other 95% has all these different things that you have to manage, you have to take mm -hmm. care of, and you have, to, you have to show up for. And so how many times do we show up with a mask with I'm okay, and you're really not? Mm. And you're, at, you're hoping that someone else could be able to ask you a deeper question. Are you really okay? Mm. What's really going on? So the fact that at 5% is based on our conscious mind. So for example, if you were driving your car to your, for your very first job, you're really conscious and aware of, hey, I need to make sure I don't miss my turn and paying attention to GPS. And then after about six months of driving to your job, you're on your phone, you're paying, you know, you're, you're, I'm already at work. Yeah. What happened? Your yeah. subconscious mind took over habits and patterns to mm -hmm. be able to say, how do we get to this destination? So even in relationships, sometimes there are things that we do um, out of just our subconscious programming. So let me tell you where this subconscious, other 95% of this subconscious program comes, comes from. So our brain develops from ages zero to four, from four to 12, from 12 to 18, and then our prefrontal cortex, which is our executive part of our brain, our most advanced part of our brain, it's supposed to fully develop at age 25. So if you have been raised in a place of um, scarcity, if you've been raised um, in a survival mode, if you've been raised under the um, understanding of a fixed mindset, when I say scarcity, I mean that there is, there's an obsession with not enough time, not enough money. Mm. Um, when I say survival- Not enough time. Not enough time, not enough money. Nice. Um, then I would go into the second one would be, and these are lower level vibrations of understanding, but this is how many of us, were, not everybody was brought on the other side of the train track. Right. And so these usually tr dip away into the, I'm not enough. I'm not mm -hmm. worthy, right? It, it clicks into those particular deep seated. Um, Cause when you think of, as, as a four-year-old or as a 12-year-old, you're not really consciously aware of all of the elements that you're making these decisions. So many times we're only equipped to make decisions based on our, our levels of consciousness and understanding. And so Many times, if you're raised with, with the mindset of a fixed mindset, a scarcity mindset, or a survival mindset, you see more negative than positive, right? You're not able to see the possibilities on the other end of that. And so um, if you were raised to seeing certain relationships as being hard, being painful, being abusive, that is no longer, for other people, that looks like dysfunction. For you, that looks like it's normal. And so sometimes we have to be able to up, upgrade our belief system because if we never go back and update that belief system or finish the story loop, then that becomes the underlining story. You say, oh, I, I want to be love, but love is hard, right? I want, I want to be in a healthy relationship, but I don't know any healthy relationship, right? There's that underlining story that's going on that usually, and the brain is, is like I said, the brain is looking for evidence of whatever you say you're looking for. Right. So it's going to go back into the mind and say, okay, where else do we know of this being successful, right? And so if you, you'll start to talk yourself out of situations simply because you said, I want to do something different. Whenever you say, I want to do something different, I want more than what I have, the brain is going to be like, okay, uh, you're enemy number one, because the brain is designed to be safe. It's designed to be comfortable. You'd be like, I, I want to be married, but I love being single. I like, all, I like to be able to do things the way I want. Okay there's going to have to be some level of growth where you say, I'm willing to be able to sacrifice a little bit, not sacrifice my identity, but I'm willing to be able to know that it's going to cost me my comfort zone in order for me to grow. 
And so when you understand that my subconscious programming may be from limiting beliefs that I've had throughout my childhood, even with money, you know, money doesn't grow on trees. You have to work twice as hard to be just as good, right? All these different things. They're all digging. Their marketing is a billion dollar industry to prove that you're not enough. Mm. So you have to buy more products. You'll buy, you know, whether it be more, more, more makeup, you have to wear certain amount of certain color clothes. You have to have a certain amount of money in the bank account to be considered worthy of being respected, valued, and seen. Mm. And so if you, if those are the different things, if you didn't have a lot when you were coming up, you need to prove to yourself that by, by having the degrees and the job, that makes you a, it may make you good in business, but it may not make you good in relationships. Right. If you're always in charge, do you know how to be able to share power? Right. And, and when it comes to relationships, it's PMS, it's, it's the, it's the power, it's power. Um, it's also sex and it's being able to understand how can I measure relationships? How can I measure results? And so if you, if, if you, if you can't, if you can't share power, then there's always going to be a power struggle, right? Are you going to measure growth? How do I measure growth? Okay. Um, I would have responded this way, but I choose to do something different because I didn't get the same result that I wanted before. Right. And then sex is always a, is always a power struggle, right? The ability to be able to give and not be available, the release, the connection, the intimacy, right? That those are the three areas that usually confine most relationships, the ability to be able to balance those three areas. How do I measure growth? How do I measure success? success? So it's important um, that we understand that some of who you are may be subconscious programming that's just outdated. You may not really realize that those belief systems are still there until trauma or situation or pain shows up. And then you go back because our brain is going to respond to our last level of training. So if you never trained your body to be able to say, when I'm angry, I'm not going to lash out. I'm not going to scream. I'm not going to overwhelm myself. I'm going to take a couple of breaths. I'm going to step away from the situation and come back. Right? Yeah. Or I, when I'm angry, I feel like I, I have no voice. And so I feel I need to be able to lash out in a certain way to feel like I'm powerful. Like to feel like I'm, so there's different triggers. When you know your triggers, you have control of what you want, what you get to see. Because That's most people, when reprogramming, look, <laughs> reprogramming the mind, because you, neuroplasticity is saying that the brain has the ability to change based on your, your, your decisions, your experiences, and what you have created a bigger vision for yourself. Mm. So when you create a bigger vision for yourself, then your brain is looking for that. Your brain is a supercomputer. So you think about Google, I talk about on the brain. Um, when you go to Google and you type in a search and then you look in that left-hand corner, there's some numbers there. It shows like it showed up your results in, in you know, five seconds, three seconds, whatever the case may be. Your thoughts go from one thought at 100,000 miles per hour you have an average of 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day. How do you identify which ones are more important or valuable than the others? You write them down. Whatever you focus on, that's what you give power to. Where energy goes, focus, wherever, wherever focus goes, energy goes. So brain, when your brain is, is wired to be able to respond, because there's a couple other things that the brain is designed to do. So number one is designed to make you safe. It's designed to be able to conserve energy. So that's why you'll be able to listen to one thing and you'll not fully take it in because your brain is always in something else, right? Wow. Even now as, you're, as people on the podcast, like I got to worry about my kids, I got to worry about the dishes, I got to worry about what I'm cooking, but I want to listen to what's being going on because something has piqued my interest, mm -hmm. right? And so if you understand those things, the brain is, takes up 20% of the energy of your body. So that is why it constantly is like information bias. Hey, I already know that. 
I already know that. And so when you don't slow down and operate from a place of mindfulness, it allows you to be able to say, this is the thought we're going to focus on. So meditation is really good. Um, being able to have quiet time. I call it sacred space, where you're able to have sacred space, where you're able to have fun with your thoughts and be able to say, you know what, this is, this is how I feel, but this is not who I am. When you're able to get clarity. Um, when most people don't have clarity, there you, I tell people all the time, vague goals turn into vague results. And so if you say you want something, you have to be intentional about it. Write it out. Because when you write it out, you're able to give your brain a, a clear blueprint of what you're trying to achieve. Because you're going to still have another 60,000 thoughts tomorrow. Yeah. And, and the brain, in, in, its, in, its, in its perfection but imperfection, it will always see the negative before it sees the positive. You have what is called the amygdala which is your operates from your fight or flight, right? So it identifies, is this a threat? Right. Is this a threat? And so in its, in its analysis paralysis, oftentimes the brain will always see something as a negative before it sees it as a positive. Can I tell you that over 80% of your thoughts, the 60,000 that you have in a day are usually negative. They're usually negative because it makes money, but also because if you don't introduce a positive way of thinking, belief, or cast a vision bigger than yourself, you will always shrink to it. And so what are some of the ways that I always challenge my clients and people to be able to challenge that 80% of negativity? Yes, tell us. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there are four categories that I make sure that I'm listening to or engaging in a day. Number one is something that's inspirational, something that's going to allow you to see the picture outside of the frame of what's possible. Number two is something that's going to be educational, something that's going to give you update a skill set or a knowledge base that you just didn't know before, right? The next one is gonna be motivation. What is something that's gonna be motivational that's going to be able to push me out of my bad days into better days or be able to say, oh, this is temporary, this is not permanent. This is a chapter of my life, this is not the entire story, right? Who is your favorite people that inspire and motivate you? Because what I've learned is some of the people that inspire us the most are just commercial breaks of who we have the potential to become. Mm. There's a reason why you're drawn to some of these people. <laughs> our heroes or our super people or the people that we looked up, look up to are only commercial breaks of who we have the potential to become. Mm -hmm. So if you have this fascination with Oprah, there's something about her ability to be a communicator, ability to inspire people, to be able to connect with people, to be able to transform par people's paradigms of thoughts and beliefs that is not just based on your zip code or your state, but it's worldwide. Right. If, you, if, if it comes to someone who says, you know, I didn't coach Cass inspires me. It's because she's able to be able to help me figure out where I'm stuck at and where I can grow from and be able to connect me to the, the relationship that I've always dreamed. But I didn't think I was really worthy of that. I didn't think I could actually accomplish because I told myself too many stories about I, I don't make enough money or I make too much money. Or I was told that no man is really going to love me authentically, authentically just for me. Right, where I didn't learn what I was enough. So if you, like I said, someone looking up to Coach Cass and said, ah, there's, I wanna be like her. Not that, not, not that you don't see your own self image, but there's something that you see in someone else that you haven't achieved yet that inspires you, right? And then the last one is something that's transformational. Whether they be getting into a course, whether they be getting to a training, going to a conference, there should be something that, you, that you're listening to, that you're engaging with, that's transformational. And it's even do, being a part of your program, doing the work. Because many times we get these highs of emotion and we don't go home and do the work. 
I feel good. That was inf- that was motivational. I, I I got goosebumps. The hair on the back of my neck, and then we don't change. And then we wonder why we're you know we're we're looking at the same results for the last two to five ten years, and we're like, ah, where did I miss it? So those are the four things that I, I recommend that people for an hour of day make sure that you listen to one of those four categories. What does oh, that do? I thought you were saying that I need to do all four one an hour each. I'm like four no, hours. No, because I understand. Look, you got you got bills, you got kids, you got jobs, you got responsibilities. Challenge, I challenge people for one, because the brain also looks for spontaneity, right? If you do the same thing over and over again, that same person that inspires you every day, you're like, all right, I'm getting tired of this person. All right, you, you got to tell me something different. So that's why I said give you four categories, because those four categories, it's just one hour a day where you're able to just listen to something, where you're able to download new information of your possibilities, right? Of, that's something that's going to motivate you to say, ah, Real love really does exist. I know there's a lot of crazy people out here, and I know we keep on living vicariously through celebrities. Um, let me tell you, if money could if money could fix all things, there would be no divorces in, in multimillionaires and and celebrities. We wouldn't be going through all this drama. It's about being able. What are the intangibles of a healthy relationship? Because what is always posterized is not always healthy. So, uh, leave that one. I'll leave that alone. But <laughs> all it is. <laughs> So when it comes down to the brain, um, I'll give you these, these five things. Create a, a vision for yourself, right? Create a vision. It doesn't have to be perfect. Please let go of your perfectionism because it's not real. But have a healthy vision of yourself, right? Identify, number two, identify what your limiting beliefs that's holding you back, right? Because you, when you can't tell where you're at at the map of, or trying to get to a destination unless you know this is where I'm at. When you can pull up your GPS and you say, uh, where am I? It's going to say, you are here. This is the limiting belief that might be holding you back, right? That, that I can't have what I really want, so I'll settle for whatever is convenient. I'll settle for what's familiar. And so if the dysfunctional relationships are familiar, well, I don't mind it because I know this. Or when you end up getting that man or that woman that you prayed for, and because it's so different from what you had in your past, you find a way to self-sabotage it, say, hey, that's me. I find a way to self-sabotage my relationships because this is foreign. I don't know if I can do this or, you know, that imposter syndrome. Well, maybe I could have got, got a good person, but they don't really like me for me. So I'm going to find ways to make sure I can self-sabotage it so I can prove that they're just like all the other people that I dated. Right. And then I get back. You know, so, so the brain is looking, the brain is fine with familiar. The brain is fine with that because it knows that level of this. It knows how to manage that. It's when you try to say, I want something new. I want something different. That's when he says, okay, well, how are we going to do it? So number three is replace those negative living beliefs with new ones. So whatever your story is, because we're, we are a product of the stories that we tell ourselves and the habits that we reproduce, right? So what's the story that you're telling yourself? That it's hard to find a good man or there's not enough men around. What if we, ch- we frame that? Because how you, your words become the framework for what you see. So if we just reframe these words, it's called neuro-linguistic programming, where we identify that our words have power. Death and life is in the power of the tongue, but also what you create is in the power of the tongue. And so we are, we are the quality, we are based, what we see is based on the quality of the words that we say. And that all starts with the thought, the belief, the self-image, right? And so if we were to say, um, there are many great men, my responsibility is to become the woman that attracts what's the person that's designed for me. 
sometimes we get overwhelmed with trying to make sure that we're attractive to everybody. And that's a lot of work. What if we just focused on God, make me the woman or the man that I need to be for the right one that you've designed for me? Because the areas where I feel inadequate, that person should be able to have some level of support or God will have to make, make, make the difference. But if you're trying to be focused on being attractive to every single man, that's most men, if you ask most men, what, does, what, was, what is manhood? You're gonna get 10 different answers. If you ask most women, what is manhood? You're gonna get 20 different answers, <laughs> right? Because you're gonna get all, you, people are all not raised the same. There's the principles that are identified with masculinity and femininity, but we're not all the same. And so if your goal is to make sure that you connect with the right one for you, then you, I wanna identify how am I, what are some beliefs that I brought to this relationship that are not healthy? I need someone to handle me. No, you need someone who can support you. The idea that, that, you know, that we are in competition. No, I'm looking for someone that's gonna complement my vision, my mission and my purpose, right? If you start to reframe the limiting beliefs, you know, all men cheat, yeah. right? So you're already, going, you're already going into the relationship looking for his flaws. And what I've learned about just people and just life in general, most people are a lawyer for their flaws, but a judge, a jury, and execution for someone else's. Hmm. We have all the justification and excuses for our flaws and our limitations. And well, I, you know, I, I may not be this, but I, I make good money. Okay. Or I, I may not be this, but you know, I don't know how to speak to people or be polite or be grateful, but I, you know, I know how I have, you know, have the degrees. Okay, where sometimes it's not always about what you need, it's also how do you compliment what you think you deserve? Because if you're able to look and say, okay, what 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 is a potentially quality man? And I say that, you know, in the midst of all the different things, I'm not even gonna say high value, I'm just saying a quality person. Right, just a quality person, because we have that subjective and ambiguity around it. Just a right. quality person. What does that person potentially need from me? What love language do I struggle the hardest to give that my partner might need? I know, I know, I know. You're like, what do you mean you talk about the five love languages? Because we give the love language that's most convenient or comfortable right. or that we have adopted. We didn't get the love language we were supposed to get probably from our parents. We have adopted a language because that's the only one we could get. But that's not the one that needs that gives us the fulfillment, right? And I know you already touched on the five love languages. That's why I wanted to kind of tap that in there because sometimes we feel we put our list and say this is what makes me great, but also we 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 know we'll say well my list justifies where I'm also needing to grow. So the other thing is after I said upgrade your beliefs and replace it, what is the new skill set, mindset, or heart set do I need to change in order for me to be able to get the results that I'm looking for? So if it's a skill set, that's something you can build, right? If it's a heart set, where do I need to heal? Whether it be through therapy, through counseling, where do I need to heal from the trauma? Because I know in black communities, we don't say the word trauma. It's like, ooh, we don't, you didn't go through nothing, right? <laughs> you just had to deal with life like everybody else. But where, where do you go and, and be able to say, where do I need to go heal? So that I don't bleed on the person that I love the most mm -hmm. or who's supposed to be designed for me because I didn't go through my process of transformation. And I know, I know. We're all working on ourselves, right? But how are you measuring those results? Who's holding you accountable to what you say you're going to do? That's because if because I know there's this, this belief about the brain that it takes 21 days to create a new habit. But not you hear that every every New Year, on January 21st, you're supposed to be in the, you're supposed to be in the best fit of your life. You're supposed to be a millionaire. You're supposed to have the man of your dreams. January 21st, 
And statistically, in the first 90 days, 70% of people give up on their goals. Just just throw them out. 70% in the first 90 days. Why do you think that is? It's because number one, their vision of themselves is usually too small. Number two, they have zero accountability. Number three, they have no support. And they're, when I tell people, when your why is big enough, the how will find a way. Many times we have a lot of superficial whys when we want to do it. And so we have nobody to support us and hold us accountable. And so when you find the why, yes, you want to lose 15 pounds, but what's the real why behind this? So I can learn to be able to love all of who I am and appreciate the body that I've been given, but also so I can be excited when I'm naked, right? You want to have a bigger why than just, I want to lose 15 pounds, right? I love my body the way it is, but I know my health is very, very important. And 15, losing 15 pounds makes me more healthier. It's more energetic. I'm there, be, I'm available to be more there for my kids, for my husband, for my spouse, but also be able to fully tap into my life's purpose with energy and power versus I got to take a whole bunch of pills or I have to, I can't, I can't really show up for those moments that I really want to show up for. That's a different why, isn't it? I just want to lose 15 pounds versus I need, I've been given a certain amount of time on this earth. And I want to make sure I maximize it. So my health is important. So I have to eat differently. I have to exercise differently. I, I want to make sure that when, my, when I'm spending time with my kids, that they get the, all of my energy and my time versus whatever I can give to them after I've finished working my nine to five or business and I have to give them whatever is left of me. It's a different conversation. Yeah. And so um, that's why. And so that was number four. Number five is just create a strategy. What is your action plan? The brain... When it comes to uncertainty, when you don't have an action plan, it just puts them, it's like a plane that doesn't get a chance, an opportunity to get its permission to land. What is your strategy? How are we going to do it? And it doesn't have to be verbose. It can say, what are my smallest steps towards reaching this goal? So what, is my, what are the small steps that I can take as far as being able to create more healthy relationships? I can get counseling. I can, get, you know, I can find out. I can go through my story and realize, um, is my story empowering or disempowering? Because you get to choose that, Right? I get to choose what, I get to, what my life gets to be. We all have free will. And even though there's parts of your life where you didn't feel like you were in control or you, had, you were able to you know, be able to control the outcome of your life, as an adult now, you get to choose how you get to look at your story. And you get to challenge your story. You get to recognize that you were the author of it. You get to realize from accountability, not blame. Because one of the biggest things is, one, I mean, a lot of people look through their story they look at it from the place of judgment versus grace. Give yourself some grace. Stop punishing yourself. That's not fair. Stop comparing yourself. Your story, your journey is completely unique. Just as your fingertips are. You can have twins and you won't have the same DNA. You won't have the exact same fingertips. So if your purpose and your destiny was designed to be just as unique, your journey is going to be different. Honor your story, honor your journey. But don't be so drunk on the destination that you missed out on the steps that you were supposed to learn on how you got there. Wow. Because someone's going to ask you, how'd you do it? And I always tell people, there is no elevated to success in relationships either. You have to take the stairs because your steps are ordered back on. So hopefully those were some helpful tips to help you understand. Number one, create a vision for yourself. Identify your limiting beliefs. Number three is replace those limiting and negative beliefs with more empowering ones, reframing your story, reframing how you speak to yourself, Um, even with affirmations, being able to identify 
how you want to see yourself, how you want to speak with your, connect with yourself, um, and then create a strategy. What are the steps, whether it be, do I need accountability? Do I need a coach? Do I need a group, a community? Um, what is the strategy toward getting the results that I say I want? Um, and understanding that you have been born enough. You have just been taught by society, friends, and family that you're not enough. But your greatness is a birthright. Abundance is a great uh, is is a birthright. So identify those three lower level limiting mindsets, right? Identified number one, scarcity, survival, and a fixed mindset. Fixed mindset, regardless, whatever I do will always be the same result, right? But there's a higher level of consciousness that you can operate from, and these three are um, a growth mindset. That the more time and energy that I give to something, I will become better. I will learn more skills. I will bring more money in because you're giving your time and energy to something that's bigger and better than you that allows you to grow, right? The next one is being passionately curious. Why do I say passionately curious? Because the brain has what is called as a flow state. It's where everything operates, where the conscious mind, that 5% and that 95%, usually they op they're connected when you sleep. But there are different times throughout your day where you go into a flow state, where, every, where you find all answers, where you're, in, you're so, super focused. Um, you hear it in sports where you say, you know, Michael Jordan, where he can't miss. Or you, you see uh, uh, in tennis where Serena Williams is just constantly, regardless of what she does, she just keeps on serving. Regardless, she just, it's a flow state. Everybody has flow states, but we don't tap into them. It's kind of like if you're reading a book and say, I'm going to read this for 15, 20 minutes. And you were like, two hours have gone by. It's where your brain has gotten into a super focused mode where it's called a drug of dopamine and norepinephrine. And dopamine and norepinephrine allows you to be able to break that barrier of the subconscious mind where it's being very analytical and allows you to be able to operate in the spattle matter where, it, where you're able to take up patterns that you normally wouldn't be able to get in your conscious mind. And so passionately curious, just a lot, that fun, playful, passionately curious has, allows you to go into that flow state. When I nerded out for a little bit. You have to forgive me. Um, and then the last one is abundance. Abundance is there's more than enough. Where there's more than enough men, there's more than enough people in happy relationships, there's more than enough money to be made. All, you know, what, there's more than enough. It's a 360 paradigm of your life. Emotionally, spiritually, financially, relationships, work. It's a full 360. I'm going to do, I'm gonna be dramatic and just give you a full 360. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> that that abundance is 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 this golden brain that says that there's nothing that I can't have. I get to create my own reality. I get to create my I create money. I don't work for money. I, I create healthy relationships because I that is part of who I am. When you start to affirm who you are, your brain will look for evidence or create evidence that it's true. What if you knew that the world and the universe was conspiring for you to win versus the world being against you? Game changer. Right? Ask yourself, where did I learn? Where did, and I, not, this is my reframe. Where did I adopt this belief? Mm. Because you weren't born with it. You adopted it because there was a situation that happened. You may have identified it from your trauma. So you're operating from a place of survival. I just need to get to the next checkpoint. I'm just glad I survived it. So would you rather thrive or survive? Thrive, baby. <laughs> Look, it's going to take, it, it takes, some tough conversations, but it also takes some, I want more. Sometimes people show up differently. We, well, truthfully, we always show up differently or better for someone else. But when it comes time to showing up for ourselves, that's where we shrink. If I got to show up for my kids, I'm about to put this Superman on my chest. I don't care what I have to go through. Got to show up for my spouse, right? 
But he said, how about, what if we show up for your dream? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'll get back to that. I, I got time. I'll, that's something I can put in the back burner. Um, but what if you gave yourself 999 chances to fail mm. without judgment and the permission to hit the reset button to start all over again at one? Many times we are so, we, we have this idea of failure. Um, even in relationships, one of my favorite coaches, um, Lisa Nichols tells me, she said, what if that relationship is just complete? It doesn't have to be Oh, what this person, you know, everybody in their mom is now is a, is a social worker. Everybody knows what a narcissist is. They can't see right. narcissism in themselves, but they know that is a trigger word. Everybody that they dated was a narcissist. And I'm like, who's the common denominator? Because you had a consciousness to be able to pick each and every single one of them. And sometimes we connect people spirit to spirit. Or we attract people who have a predatory nature. Um, because they understand you, you, be, you have to protect your, you have to protect your spirit. Um, because if it's not whole, it'll attract other people. It's called trauma bonding. People who connect based on trauma. Y'all both grew up in a dysfunctional relationship. And so you guys doing dysfunction together. Y'all done pass it on to your kids. And so you, when you get you, when you see the idea of healthy, it scares you a little bit because that's foreign to you. And the brain's like, we don't know that. And so when you get into these new relationships, sometimes it's good to be able to say, hey, this is new for me. I don't, like, I know on my image, you know, my Instagram is popping and, you know, my website, but there's some, there's some th- new things about healthy relationships I'm starting to learn. And I'm, I'm going to need some grace. You're both going to need some grace. And when you give, bo- when both parties are able to give some grace to each other's growth and their flaws and some of their traumas and things that they're trying to work through, I think people are able to be, to be more successful because I'm no longer the judge, jury, executioner for your flaws. I'm a lawyer for saying this is how we can make this work. Ooh. I love all of this, Jamal. Oh my <laughs> I've never been so quiet in a podcast in my life. This is good. And I didn't want to be distracting, you know, over here, like taking all the notes. So I'll be listening to the replay over mm-hmm. and over and over and over mm-hmm. again. So just thank you. Thank you. Like this It's my is pleasure, my honor. Yeah. I think you hit on some amazing points that, that have me thinking, right? Because time, you always hear about money, but I never really thought about time, you know, mm-hmm. and how that could be a limiting belief. So how does that show up in terms of limiting beliefs, especially passing it down to children? My daughter's four. So, so how does that work in terms of playing out the wrong way in terms of time? The most you could ever do, I have a three-year-old and, and my, my Ayana, whew, if you're ever going to be humbled about who you think you are in life, have a child. Oh goodness. Because that is one of the, what I've learned because you know, there was some living beliefs as a child that a child is supposed to be seen and not heard. Right, so now that child is now an adult and they have an opportunity to speak. What do you think is going to trigger them? That I'm supposed to be seen and not heard. Yeah. That my value is to be to look a certain way, but there's no value in my voice. There's no value in my opinion. Right, and I know old school. You were raised certain ways based on certain things. Um, and so what you can, the most powerful thing you can do is give somebody your presence, your undivided attention. I know I'm guilty because I'm on my phone. I'm always on social media, and like I said, but one of the most powerful things that you can give someone is your time. And so um, 
They said, wherever your values and your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. So I asked people, where do you spend your time? If you say that you don't have enough time, that means there's something else that's more valuable and more important. Now we're not consciously saying that, but there is some truth to that. And there's a difference between truth and facts. Is facts based, based on time, information, and, and a mindset. The truth will always remain the same regardless of time. And so when you say, I love this person or I value this person, um, show me where you're spending quality time. Because your pre we often don't think that our presence is valuable because we, we trade our time for money. You, know, you get $50 an hour, $150 an hour. That's a lot of money compared to what? That's an hour of your life that you can never get back. Even being on this podcast, this is 30 minutes of your time that you can never get back. How much, when's the last time you spent 30 minutes being with the people that you care and love the most, who are your inspiration and your motivation? And so sometimes we use time to think, I don't have enough time. The pandemic proved we have more than enough time, right. right? If I had more time, I'd write that book. I'd start doing this. I'd start doing that. And then what do we do? We wasted a lot of time in 2020 simply because there was no demand on us to do different things outside of our comfort zone. Right. Um, and so the story that we tell ourselves around time is usually what is a should and what is a must? The things that we should do, we never really do. We blame ourselves, we judge ourselves. I should be doing this. But the things that we must do, we find a way. You're either interested or you're committed. And when you're interested, it's gonna be a should. When you're committed, it's something I must do. And you plan accordingly. Okay, so Jamal, how can they find you on social media? Where should they follow you, <laughs> sir? Uh, they can find me on Instagram at Coach Jamal underscore Valer, um, and my name is in there. And then you can, you know, contact me on my website. It's just Coach. Uh, it's at JamalValer um, I'm on all social media. Just type in Coach Jamal Valer, and I'll pull up on Google and all that type of things. Um, like I said, I love what I do. This is my passion. Um, and I, what I what I love most about neuroscience is the idea that if I take all the labels that we have adopted, and I tell you this is how the brain works, and this is how you feed it, this is how you train it. Um, it will work for you. Um, you're able to see all of the opportunities hidden within your obstacle. You're able to see more. You're able to operate from a place of abundance, passionately curious, or a growth mindset simply because you have taken the labels and your favorite excuses on why you can't. You're born to be extraordinary. You're born to be exceptional. Um, and I know you've we have adopted some things, some living beliefs, and some stories that no longer serve us. Um, you get to write your own story. And I say, when it comes to writing your story, instead of letting the world, instead of letting society, your friends and family write the chapters, how about you take the pen and you write your own? Well, y'all heard it here. Please do follow Coach Jamal Valer on all social media. Let him know that you heard him here on the Coach Cash Show. And if you haven't already, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. And until next time, guys, keep loving, keep laughing, keep living. Have you ever wondered what to talk about on a date? Like gotten stumped about what to ask, what conversation to have? I know. That's why I created The Love Deck. This is the 60 questions I believe you should ask before choosing the one. And on the other side, affirmations just for you. Check it out. Everybody loves them. And don't forget to tag me in how it goes.